Hey teachers, I'm Carly Walton and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast, a show where you'll find tips and strategies for growing your music studio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. I have a new show every Monday and I love interviewing experts, interviewing other teachers that you can relate to, and also showing a lot of, sharing a lot of my own experience teaching online, creating courses, and working with lots of teachers from around the world. Our review for TMO today comes from a review that was left on Google Business. The review says, I bought Carly's course early on before she had the membership in 2019, and it was literally the best independent course I had taken in the music field thus far. Her videos are professional quality and highly detailed, so even if you are a beginner teacher or a highly experienced studio owner, you will gain valuable knowledge and the tools to make your studio thrive online and in person. She continues, I am now certified with TMO and the quality I can now offer my online students is invaluable. The difference in quality I can now offer my students from the first email is night and day from what I could offer before. Now that I'm part of the membership, I can gain constant professional development through live coaching calls from experts in the music teaching field and gain the newest opportunities in tech in our field. I have an amazing support team and the other members and finally feel part of a larger online teaching community. If you're thinking of taking the plunge into TMO, I can confidently say you won't find anything better or of higher caliber. Thank you so much, Anna, for leaving this review. Gosh, I love these reviews so much. It just, it's such a good reminder to me that what I've been working so hard to create and build and continue to build is helping teachers be more impactful teachers and build more thriving studios, and that is why I do what I do. Today's episode is with a member of our TMO community, Sebastian Gomez. Sebastian teaches guitar students how to create lasting success by helping them develop their creativity and form a musical culture in their homes. His journey has taken him from frustrated engineer to realizing his lifelong dream of being a musician and a teacher. In the past six years, he's taught dozens of students, performed with Grammy Award-winning artists, and explored many more avenues in music. I also want to add that Sebastian is an amazing tech guy. He has really built a setup that he is excited about, that his students love, and he does talk about that a little bit in this episode. We talk in this episode about a unique way to approach teaching your students and how your studio can thrive by you listening more and adjusting to the needs of them versus having a specific path you take every student down. It's refreshing to hear his methods and I I know you're going to love our conversation because I think his story is also very relatable. As I mentioned, he was an engineer for a few years before he decided to make a full-time switch over to being a musician and a teacher. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into my discussion with Sebastian. Well, you have been a Teach Music Online member. For those listening, you've been a a member now for over a year, and I thought Mm -hmm. you'd be such a great person to have on for two reasons, to share about your experience with the membership and the community, but also your experience as a musician and kind of what you've built and created in your online studio in Texas. And I I would love to rewind back a year ago, I guess over a year ago, it was December of 2021, when you reached out to me and said, hey, I'm looking at your membership. I have a few questions and we chatted back and forth. Tell me what you were thinking at that time. Why was this something that interested you and what was kind of your uh, mindset going into the mm-hmm. membership? 
Well, at that time, I remember I had just gotten engaged a few months earlier. I remember talking with my now wife, Paige, um, how I just needed, I needed some kind of community. I needed mentorship. I needed um, some guidance, really. And I was struggling with that because I had built, uh, before the pandemic, I was driving to, from lesson to lesson every day. And I just thought, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be forever. And as soon as the pandemic hit, I was lucky enough that I had one student already online, but that was my one Skype student. Um, and she had been with me. She's been with me even up until recently when she left to get her master's. Wow. Uh, but that was my one experience. I had one camera and I started building this up to seeing what I could do. Um, and when I started noticing that, okay, this is really something I like, but I was getting more students, students asking if we were going to go back in person. Uh, and I was just, I really, really love the online process, but I didn't have the organization. I didn't have all the tech that I could have had. I didn't have all that going. Um, and so whenever I was started to reach out to see like, okay, are there courses or are there coaches that I could find? Um, I remember I either found you through the podcast or through Facebook uh, ads. I was like, okay, this seems interesting. I had talked with a few other like Facebook coaches who had reached out to me, but nothing really stuck. I was like, they seem like they're where I'm at. I'm, they're trying to get something started, but they're not quite there. So I was like, I don't know if I, if I can put all my eggs into this. But as I started listening to the podcast, something really like hooked me. It just seemed like a great community, a great experience. Uh, and I just thought I have to be part of this. I have to reach out and see like, is this something that's going to help me get my business to another level or just organize my business? Um, and I remember listening to, I restarted the course recently and I'm taking it from the beginning again, uh, just because I know there's so many things in the beginning that I want to kind of touch on and remember. And in one interview, I think it's Richard Botsworth who, uh, or in one of the videos who comments how like he can see kindness in people's eyes. And whenever I heard that, I was like, that's it. You know, Carly, you just have like a kindness to you and a genuineness to you that really shone, shone through the podcast, through any texts and, and calls that we had or, or emails that we had. Um, and so that that was it for me, you know, just having that experience and having a community of people who are like that. And I always think people are going to attract those who are like them, you know, and I yeah, thought well, I just have to be part of that. Well, thank you so much. First of all, that's so kind of you. I love hearing, I love hearing that that's like what people see even before maybe they are a part of it, because that's what I always want to, um, I guess, put, put out there is yeah. kindness. Um, because there's enough other stuff in the world, right? Like there's enough yeah. other stuff. Yep. Um, and I wanted to say to you also, I've, I've been watching you over the last year and how, I have had members join who join and then I never see again. Like I, I maybe a year later that I'll get an email from them or they'll pop up a year or two later. But yeah. you joined with a commitment to not just go through the course, but to be involved in our community and mm -hmm. to show up for other people as well and to share your expertise. I mean, really from day one, you were helping people with tech setup, helping people with OBS, helping people with things that you knew that you already had worked through. And I think that is what has created this thriving place 
where collectively we can kind of share the gathered experiences because none of us have to recreate the wheel, right? Like everyone has been through yeah. something. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's amazing to see that. Um, I'll comment to Paige all the time that I'm like, because I, I think you know a little bit of my background. I'm an engineer. Like I got my degree in engineering. I worked in that uh, for three years as a professional engineer. And then I realized I didn't want to do that anymore. I took a leap of faith and started doing music and loved it. But because of that, um, I mean, I've had individual studies on my own. I still take piano lessons with a local teacher who's also just an online teacher. He, that's all he does. Yeah. Um, but I always comment to, to her, like, I, I'm just some guy that came out of engineering and start, and wanted to do music. He'd always had a passion for music, but now he's like, people are reaching out to him and saying like, hey, how do you do this? How do I hook up OBS? Um, and like, I don't know if I'm qualified, <laughs> but even talking with, uh, like I've talked to some of the other members, um, Richard, especially he was like, you know what? I feel the same way. And he's a concert pianist with a doctorate. And I'm like, if he feels like that, maybe I can be a little bit, <laughs> I can be a little bit more humbled by that, you know? Yeah. I think everyone mm -hmm. gets to a point where we're like, are we qualified to do this? No yeah. matter your level of expertise, there's going to yeah. be a degree of that. Mm -hmm. What have been some of your biggest wins since joining Teach Music Online? Like, What are some of the biggest changes you've made to your studio? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I've made so many of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's crazy to see how um, my studio has changed and transformed um, not only from like the tech side, there's a lot more things that I have. I actually just switched this year to using a Mac. Um, and I think for a while I was like the PC guy in TMO cause I had my surface and I had all that set up while well, I switched completely to using a MacBook pro and an iPad pro cause I wanted to have a more, uh, travel friendly setup. And so with the MacBook, I can pick it up take it to my parents' house, which is about 40 minutes from here. And I can teach from there. I have some in-person lessons there. Um, but with that too, I'll be able to take it to South Carolina where my in-laws are at and teach from there. And just seeing how some of the other teachers on TMO and even you yourself have used a travel setup. I was like, I can do that anywhere. I can now teach anywhere. Um, and even just with that, I think I, I wouldn't be able to have the mindset or the brain space to do it if I hadn't had the mindset um, exercises from TMO that you set up in the beginning or just the process of getting your Google Drive organized and your music organized and reaching out to your students and being present and communicating with them. Like all those things really had to fall into place before I felt comfortable enough to take another step of, well, now I'm going to be not a full-time, but maybe a little bit of a travel teacher on weekends or for holidays. I can still teach and not lose income, not lose the connection and, and the friendship with my students because I'm gone. Um, so that's very important to me. And, and all of that was just like things that built up from being able to go through the different modules in TMO to finally having the confidence to change to a completely different computer changed to a completely different setup that I can just pick up and go and my studio is with me anywhere I go. I think something we hear often is that being a member gives you confidence that you didn't have before or gives mm -hmm. teachers the ability to make those changes. It's like 
you'd not only get the the information, but the validation, like yes. so-and-so did it and so-and-so did it and I can do it too. Yeah, exactly. And, and you just get so much just trust in yourself, you know? Um, I joke with my with my mom especially a lot that TMO is like my coworkers. Whenever I switched from engineering, I would desperately miss that, you know. Mm. I miss having as much as I'm glad that I'm not in an office now, I miss having the community of people who knew my struggles and knew what we were dealing with day to day and not having that before TMO and now having that basically anytime I open the the app. It's just it's amazing to have that accountability and community that I can just kind of lean on yes. and, and have support throughout my day. You know, I asked a question in the membership a few months ago about how you um, build lesson plans and how you have lesson teaching methods for students. And your response was so interesting. And I think it <laughs> kind of inspired a lot of conversation because you talked about how you don't really follow a curriculum necessarily mm -hmm. that's specific you know, for all your students, even a particular method book, can you just share about why you do curriculum a little bit differently and what your methods are? Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of funny because that sprung out of maybe some anxiety of having to build a curriculum and having to keep up with, okay, now they're in page 52 and now they got to move on to the next book um, and kind of feeling overwhelmed with, well, I have to keep up with that. But now my student always has to, has to keep up with that as well. Um, and so I kind of just started to take things a different route and see kind of where the student is at each moment. That's kind of my core values is just meeting people where they're at, meeting my students like with what they're dealing with, making sure that they feel the same way, validated and confident in what they're doing and not like, oh, you can't play your major skills right now. You don't know what a Dorian mode is. Like you need to up your game. Like no, that's that's not going to get anybody to love music. Um, so that's really where I where I try to start with my students. I start all my trial lessons um, testing their their hearing, like their oral skills. And I'll play little things on the guitar, on the piano, and say, "Can you play this back to me? Can you tell what what uh, strings I'm playing, or what frets I'm playing, or what keys I'm playing?" Um, and that really helps me to recognize where's their awareness of their surroundings, their, of themselves, you know, how confident are they? Will they say, oh, I can't do that, or I've never played music before, or, or have some kind of doubt in themselves like that. And that really gives me information on, well, where do I need to start teaching them? Do I need to start teaching them not only the technical side, like, okay, maybe their ear is very good, but do I need to start with reading? maybe the reading is really strong and maybe start and continue with ear training. But also like, is this somebody that maybe they won't tell me, but do they deal with anxiety? Do they deal with, um, uh, what's, what's the wording? Uh, imposter syndrome, you know, do they deal with, with just low confidence? I had one student and I come back to this again and again, they started with me here when they lived in Houston and they moved to San Antonio and they continued. She was very, 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 um, I guess she had very low self-esteem in certain areas. She was a very confident, very like bright and, and always has been a very bright and happy student. But when I'd ask her to sing or when I'd ask her to play something new, she'd be like, can you play this with me? You know, just kind of lacking that confidence. And so he constantly come back and say like, 
do you see how you've kind of like gained more confidence? How do you feel like this was, how do you feel like you were approaching this a year ago or six months ago, you know? And so my curriculum, I know that I've kind of <laughs> gone off a tangent, but my curriculum is really based on that, like, okay, where is my student and how am I meeting them where they're at at each moment and letting them tell me like, or kind of guide me, are they really interested in this area? I'll start each of my new lessons, like once they've signed up, every week I'll ask them, what do you feel like you've improved in the most? And and where do you feel like you've progressed the most? And I, I got that from um, from Christina Whitlock, from the, um, oh, I forgot the name of the podcast. This is embarrassing. I listen to it every day or every week. Oh, great podcast. But she mentioned this and how this will encourage students maybe not to think what, what have they not kept up with, but where have they thrived in the past week? And so that is where we'll, we'll start every lesson. We'll focus on the song that they said they progressed in the most, or the technique that they felt like they really improved, or the songs that they listened to. Um, and I'll even tell my students, you know, they'll come to me and, uh, and say like, oh, I didn't practice. Like, okay, that's great. What did you listen to? Oh, I didn't listen to. Okay, that's great. What did you play? You know, what video games did you play? Because there's always something that I can hook onto that they'll feel motivated by, that they won't feel like, oh, my teacher's looking for my success and gonna judge my success depending on how much I did and not just, or, or their value on how much they did and not on like who they are. Just them being able to show up is fantastic. Oh, so many good points. We could we could dive into so much of that. <laughs> like, yeah. I I love that perspective, and I think to uh, it it could come from your background and not getting a degree in music and not yeah. being trained in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. You know, through a college, maybe college classes, in the same way, um, you are looking at it. I'm guessing it's how you learned best is having mentors who actually listen to you and focus yep. on your wins versus focusing on what's traditionally the, the progress of learning guitar. Exactly, yeah. A lot of, like one of my good friends and um, one of my groomsmen actually, he has been one of my biggest mentors and he is a, he's classically trained, has his master's in musicology. And so for about, once I left engineering and I started working at a local conservatory, um, we would go, we would hang out at his house and he would pull out Beethoven sonatas and we would start listening to Schubert or Liszt on YouTube and just analyzing everything. And it was the same experience that I had where, hey, we're just seeing like, what are you interested in today? And it wasn't formal lessons. It was just us hanging out and seeing like what we really loved. But through that, it really gave me a new understanding of music, not a, not a burdensome understanding of music and education, but hey, this is a journey that all of us are going through. And there's so many different areas that we can explore that it's great to have that positive outlook from the beginning and be able to explore it. And that's kind of what I do with all my students, just let them have their own journey that I'm kind of there along for the ride and I can guide them and be friends with them rather than be their teacher that is putting a lot of pressure on. Right. Do you two questions. The first one is, do you feel like, um, is it harder to do that because you end up with having to pull different materials for different students? Or do you like, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine how, how do you keep organized for lessons like that? No, that's a, that's a really, really good question. Cause I bet it sounds like I'm just all over the place. 
which usually I am. I think most people that know me will say that. But um, with that, I mean, I, I do organize a lot. I love spreadsheets and I love having folders in Google, Google Drive. That's one of the things that me and my wife first bonded over was just like our love for organization and creating playlists and creating spreadsheets and just all these kind of just very dorky things, you know. Um, but I do have like my organization set partially because of TMO also that I plan out a kind of like a, a an overview of a lesson plan for each student. I start with an objective, um, an activity, and a way to test that, and or a, a group of activities. Their objective is whatever goal they have for that semester. The activities are things that I choose for them. Maybe it's learning scales. Maybe it's playing more note naming games. Maybe it's writing songs through GarageBand or any kind of activity like that. And then the tests or the skill tests are things that I've said, okay, I'm going to test them on their, on their scales monthly or weekly, or I'm going to see like how their progress has been on GarageBand. Have they composed a whole song? Have they kept up with the things that I've, that I've assigned to them? Um, or have they learned all the measures out of a classical piece that I'm teaching them on guitar? Um, and so with that, I'll kind of let them tell me at the beginning of a lesson, like, oh yeah, this is where I did best. We'll start there. But with that lesson plan, I'm always able to bring their attention back to it and say like, okay, this was your objective for the semester. How do you feel like you've progressed in it? And let's see what the next activity is and keep on testing them, keep on teaching them, keep on helping them grow towards that skill or towards that goal that they want. I think you're teaching a really valuable lesson to those listening about how we don't have to follow a curriculum, but it's important to have organizations so we know what to pull from. You know, I talk yeah. about in TMO, like it's a, your toolbox, it's your curriculum box. And as long as you're organized and you have, I mean, a great way to do it is to have a spreadsheet with different levels. Like maybe it's mm -hmm. a, a sheet per level. And then you have a variety, depending on the needs of the student, you have a variety of activities and books, and maybe it's popular books and classical books and mm -hmm. uh, different genres, or it's um, Disney books or movie song books, whatever it is, you have what you know for each level and it's easily ex accessible to you so that you feel like you can go other places versus exactly. the alternative where someone sticks with Royal Conservatory and because they don't have any organization, you know, anywhere else, they don't, yeah. they don't even go there because it feels overwhelming to even think about going anywhere else. Exactly. In, in that kind of sense, it just becomes a straight line that you're kind of going from level one, level one, a level two. And then at some point I just, I would lose interest in that. <laughs> and I would say, well, if I'm losing interest in it, my students are probably not having a great time either. Um, I've heard other teachers talk about having themes throughout this, the year. So they'll do like a jazz theme or a composition theme or a romanticism theme or something like that. So I've kind of taken that on as well and told my students like, okay, now we're gonna study jazz for this semester. And I'll have some jazz books that I tell them, we'll work through them a little bit, but kind of always have that, that very free approach that we don't have to do that every week. We can take a break and work on more technique, more listening skills, more composition skills, um, or learn other songs about that. So having a spreadsheet is amazing. Having all my curriculum or all my books already selected, like this will follow this and 
if I want to sidestep from Piano Adventure or from Carol Matt's book, then I can go to a jazz, rags, and blues book and kind of continue like that. Did you start teaching group lessons online with guitar? I think I remember you asking questions about group online. Yeah, at the, when was it, back in March of 2022, I really wanted to have group lessons going. Uh, And I taught a few pretty successfully, but it was with my whole studio, which I'm a multi-instrumentalist where I teach piano and guitar and ukulele and drums. Um, Though I started to phase out drums a little bit just because being an online teacher is kind of hard to have that that set up with drums and everything. Um, but I did some some basic like uh, groups where I would teach music history or I had one group lesson where I taught music genres and I related it to Trolls World Tour, that movie. And I found a slide that some an, another teacher on online had made free. So it was awesome to just grab that resource and use it for my group lesson. Um, I've kind of transitioned a little bit to doing what I call jam weeks. And so for my students who are local, we'll meet up once every couple of, or two or three times a semester and do uh, a week where we're just jamming out songs. So they'll have their, their set day, I'll get a drummer, a guitarist, a piano player, and just get them all into a room play some Michael Jackson or some Beatles or anything like that. Um, and it's really, really fun to see their, their faces just light up and I have prices for them. And so that's been really, really fun. And I'm trying to see how I can transition to having incorporated the, the group lessons where I touch on history and touch on theory as well. Um, right now, I just it seems like a, an extra step from where I'm at or maybe a little bit more organization that I need. Yeah. And you'll get there. I think it's really cool that you're experimenting and kind of filling the needs of your students and then finding maybe how can you expand your studio? And that it made me think like, what are your, what are some of your future? What does the future look like for your studio? What are you excited about in 2023? Do you have some projects you're working on or what are you working towards this year? This year? I mean, there's so many things in my head of things that I want to do. The main thing that I'm really excited about is getting my um, my library of pre-recorded videos more complete. Because I've been recording one here, one there, whenever a student is out. Um, I know that a lot of teachers in TMO have done this and I, I thought, oh, this is a fantastic um, way to change my, my policies where I can do, uh, instead of makeup lessons, where I have to worry about when am I gonna reschedule. The students don't have time because they're also in swimming and then horseback riding and in soccer and so instead I'll record a video for them and so I've been recording a few here and there but slowly I'm kind of getting a library that I can put in order so I want to get those recorded and at least have them ready for my students whenever they need them and hopefully at some point my dream is really to have um, an online course where I can teach guitar or I can teach piano and incorporate all the instruments um, somehow it's all kind of still just like moving and grinding in my head to see like, where is it going to go? There's so many opportunities for musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we, as teachers, we're creating content all the time because yeah. as you teach, it's coming out of your head, which is unique. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. It's helpful. It's helping transform a student and all of that can be captured 
and used, you know, for future students in really positive ways. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're kind of heading in that direction, which is so cool. Yeah. That's one of the first things I realized when I started setting up uh, my online studio with three cameras and professional audio and all this stuff that I can just sit here and record a video or I can record a music video or a backing track and Mm -hmm. be able to have a really, I guess, versatile setup to where um, if I don't want to just focus on teaching, I can record videos. Or like recently, I've gotten uh, a lot of other musicians reach out to me to record backing tracks for them since Mm -hmm. I have the setup so I can record them. uh, They can perform with them with their kids at elementary schools or high schools. Um, and there's just so many different opportunities, like you said, for musicians nowadays, with the amount of technology, uh, and on my website, it's actually one thing that I was very fun. It was a fun way to word, like mixing, uh, the new advent of technology with the tradition of music for hundreds of years. I love it. How, so I'm just thinking like, (laughs) you were an engineer and now, but you're like, you're like a multi- instrument musician i mean (laughs) was that nerve-wracking making the switch or were you just like did you feel so free when you made that switch i'm just so curious it it was a little bit of both it was the moment that i that i switched because i i worked at one company uh designing air conditioning systems for like hospitals and and a lot of different um research facilities so it was actually really fun i got to travel um but I just, I, I always had that, that fire of wanting to do music and wanting to write my, my own music and be creative. Um, I was always the kid that was sitting on the side drawing or painting or hanging upside down on the monkey bars. Like I was always very active and very creative. And it's like, if somebody's going to swing with their hands, then I'm probably going to end up swinging with my arms or, or with my legs or something. Um, but switching from engineering to music at first, I was like, I, I don't know what is what this is going to look like or where it's going to lead, but once I was able to start teaching and once I was able to get more students and get more gigs, like I was playing in a funk band at the time, I was just kind of, like you said, free and being able to set my own schedule and and being able to troubleshoot all the things in my business is, is amazing because I still get to use that creative side of engineering with the creative side of music to kind of figure out, well, how am I going to like earlier today, I posted on TMO about a uh, scanning box that I put together with just cardboard and a music stand light. So I was like, I need a better solution for scanning my my books. So I still get to do that. I still get to troubleshoot issues in my studio. Um, but it's it's just so much fun to to experience it and and to use that knowledge and that ability in a way that is creative, in the way that that fits better for my my like daily rhythms and my the habits that I want to develop, um, the openness that I want to have with my family and the availability that I want to have with my family as Paige and I hopefully have kids someday, you know, um, all, all those things that can hopefully with my, uh, with my business, make it a little bit easier, make it a little bit more, more warm and nurturing. Your, so your studio has grown over the last year. Tell us about your marketing. What are your main marketing focuses? Where do you get new inquiries? I'm, cause just, I'm sure people listening are interested in that as well. 
most of my inquiries are still um, uh, word of mouth, actually. Um, a lot of my students, some of my students that were with me from before the pandemic, actually, one moved to Indiana. Like I said earlier, the other one moved to San Antonio, one moved to L.A. And so wow. they've kind of set up like little hubs there where they say, yeah, I teach or I, I, I take lessons online from my old teacher in, in Texas. And so they'll I'll tell them like, hey, if, or, or they'll contact me and I'll say like, hey, let's jump on Zoom. Let's talk. Let's see what what you think about my setup. If you're a good fit for my studio, if I'm a good fit for for what you're looking for. Um, but most of my lessons, um, my students come to me through that, I think. And since I'm so focused on friendship with my students, like being able to know when their um, UIL competitions are or when they're doing like theater competitions, which I had no idea that was a thing until one of my students told me, or they have um, all kinds of different things that they'll tell me are going on. Having that friendship really lends itself to that word of mouth kind of approach to where yes. other people hear how friendly some, a teacher can be instead of the, um, I guess, ruler holding teacher that most kids are used to when it comes to music lessons. I think if a teacher can find ways to connect with the parents of their students in like meaningful ways, you know, we talk a lot about communication and updating mm -hmm. parents frequently and sharing progress and just yeah. having that open, you're, you're getting parents on your side, then you will always have referrals because you're, those parents exactly. always have friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's so much fun. That was one thing that was hard actually for me to, to, I guess, realize I had to do was be more open and communicative whenever I switched to doing online. Cause before I would see the parents yeah. once a week and like, Hey, Johnny's doing great. He needs to practice the scales, but he's bright and exciting and, and it's great to work with him. But now it's, I see the child online, they log off and then I don't really hear from the parents. Or I don't talk with them for months, you know? So being able to just like text them and say, Hey, they're doing really, really great. Or I want you to check out the song that we've been composing, or I want you to check out, like just sit on, on the lesson and listen to how they're playing, you know? I think that's yes. one thing that learning as you transition to online is so important because that's the only way that you'll really communicate with, with the parents of the children that you're teaching. A lot of teachers that join the membership, they want to know right away how to get new students. And yeah. the secret that I don't say, you know, up front is mm -hmm. it's really organizing yourself, providing value, building relationships having a presence online so people can instantly see, you know, your friendliness are the secrets to getting students. And then when you're ready for it, we can do some marketing. And it's like, mm -hmm. but often when teachers get to that point, they fill their studios because they're already doing all the other things. And I, so yeah. I think teachers need to know there's a balance. We can't advertise to students if you don't have yourself ready for them or providing mm -hmm. value because then you're just like kind of hitting a wall where you're marketing marketing oh, yeah. but no one can see what you offer exactly if you were overwhelmed before with in-person lessons or before you joined tmo and you go straight to getting new students you're just going to stay in that overwhelmed kind of mindset you know but yeah. yeah having having build all the other aspects it just enriches your life and enriches your studio with a lot of positive thoughts and a lot of positive outcomes of having the organization, having 
thought through all the possible things that, that you need to through your policies, through your rates, through what it is that you're offering. Because it's, again, one of the things that a lot of teachers I've noticed jump to, and I did, <laughs> this was my mistake, was how do I raise my rates? How do, I mean, I'm struggling as a, as a musician. I need to make more money. How do I do this? You know, Instead of thinking, well, what am I offering? What transformation, like you said in one of the beginning modules, what am I, how am I transforming my students? How am I impacting their lives? You know, then you can charge whatever you want. <laughs> right? Exactly, because that gives you confidence in who you are and what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, Carly. One thing that I that I noticed on, on when was it? One of the coaching calls that you did that I watched the replay for, and you mentioned how you always select the word for the year. I went and did that. My wife does that, and she's done that for years. So we will do that together as well. And I selected a word for my studio, and it was presence. And it was so like eye-opening that that's that's so important. Even now, when the studio is growing, when I'm doing a lot of tech things, just to be present and to focus on my students because that's who it's all about. That's the important part of my studio, not the cameras, not the audio, not the computers, but who I'm teaching. Absolutely. I love that word. And, and just being present, you know, you can apply that to everything, whoever you're with in that moment, I'm going to be present and not allow Mm -hmm. the distractions of tomorrow or that email I just got, you know, distract me from who I'm with right now. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. One bonus question, because I think (laughs) we're about to run out of time, but I, we didn't get to talk about tech yet, but you have a, a love for creating a space that allows you to really teach online. Um, you know, in a lot of ways. (laughs) So tell us like maybe one or two favorite parts of your tech setup that you feel like now you couldn't live without. Um, hmm. there's so many things that I'm just looking around and (laughs) trying to figure out what is the most important one. Um, like if you were telling a teacher getting into it, like what should, what would Mm -hmm. they, what's a good thing they could look into or start with if they want to upgrade their setup? You know, one of the newest things that I got uh, by a lot of teachers recommended this to me was a good USB microphone that, what is it? The Samsung G track. It's, it's going to be my travel microphone. I've tried it with lessons that I'm teaching um, online at my parents' place. So I kind of keep that microphone there whenever I have to teach makeups and, and record videos there. And it rivals my $1,500 setup of audio that I have here. That is a really, really phenomenal microphone. So I'll take that one with me when I'm on the road. Um, I think that's number one. Number and two, it doubles as a as a MIDI, a MIDI connection. Exactly. It doubles as that. And it doubles as, since it has that input on the back, then I can plug in my guitar, I can plug in a piano, awesome. and so you can hear my voice, but you can also hear the instruments clearly. So that's awesome. Um, I think I've had to do a lot of like Frankensteining my setup. So I have an old desk that my parents got whenever they lived abroad in Indonesia. And I've it wasn't set up for music. I couldn't slide a keyboard under it. So I kind of got a keyboard stand on wheels that I can set up in front of it. But then I couldn't reach the desk. So I don't know if you can see in my side view where I have uh, a keyboard tray. Oh, nice. In front yeah. of it. So my keyboard is here, and then my desk is back there. I had to get a piece of plywood and just put it underneath the piano and screw the keyboard tray to that. So it was just, 
it was fun to make all that. And afterwards, my sister and my mom were like, what did you, what did you do? Like, it's like, it's just, it, it's just something I had to do <laughs> to, to get the setup going how I needed it. Frankensteining, that's what it was. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Half of my oh, studio is just that. And are you, you're using OBS for the multicam views so that you have yeah. your computer, your side view, and the keyboard view? Yes. Um, there's, I have one of the Steam or the Stream Decks on the side mm -hmm. so that I can switch from all different kinds of angles. Um, I have two screens. I have a wide screen monitor and I have my MacBook screen that I also use. And anytime I need to share my screen, I go to my MacBook and I have that screen so you can see it here. Mm. And anytime I need to use the whiteboard while well, I have my iPad selected and that one's here and I can just switch with one click of a button. It's awesome to set up and it's awesome to, to kind of work with. Ooh, one thing, just since we're here and yeah. you can kind of see, I found a way that I can have a MIDI visualizer. And so anytime, I think one of my cameras is a little delayed, but my keyboard will light up. And that's just because I overlaid a MIDI visualizer, turned on the transparency and lined it up with the keyboard that I'm playing with. That, it, that, that looks fun. really great. That looks really <laughs> great. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably only delayed right now. I'm assuming it's not. The light isn't usually delayed. <laughs> yeah. I think I have my lights off, so it's not as as pro as it needs to be. Okay, well, that makes me think we need to get you in on a session with our members to show them <laughs> how to do that, because they're all going to watch this interview and go, what in the world? <laughs> it was a lot oh. of fun to, to figure that out. So Yeah, yeah. and you know, I just want to say to those listening who feel overwhelmed with that, with the idea of like, how do I make my lessons good enough? Um, it's one step at a time, really. Mm -hmm. It's one piece at a time. And and it's so empowering to make those small changes because then when somebody says, hey, I want in-person lessons and you say, actually, I'm an online teacher, you can then say, let me show you how cool this is. Let yeah. me show you what I can offer you. Exactly. Um, I've had countless of, of students that are local who, and it's usually not, not so much the student, but a lot of the times it's the parents who I have to say like, hey, this isn't your usual zoom call this is not your zoom conference call that you have for work um and so once i get them on on a call and i show them like hey i can switch between cameras i have multiple views even for my guitar i can double my overhead camera and show them my guitar from from above and the students can see where my hands are laying where my thumb is the parents like i can see their faces go from like very doubtful to just like impressed and, and like, yeah, let's sign up for a trial lesson afterwards, you know? Yes. And teachers should be encouraged hearing that because yes. a lot think no one wants online lessons because they don't, people don't, we, we have to assume people just don't know what an online lesson means. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if they say they, they'd rather have in person because they don't know yeah. any better. And that's why we have to take our job as a, as a teacher to show them and record demo videos, record a video and put it on your Instagram or on your YouTube so that you can send them right when they say that, what it yeah. actually is. So you're not losing that potential referral. Exactly. Exactly. And that helps so much. And you don't need an, in, this is one thing I tell every teacher that I talk with, you don't need the level of tech that I've gone to. Like I've gone a little bit of the obsessed route because I really love what, what you I enjoy get to it. together. 
but if you have that Samsung G-Track or a Blue Yeti and you have your MacBook and you have your iPhone, you can connect your iPhone to your MacBook and you're set. That's mm -hmm. no, you don't have to spend so much money to get it set up. You don't have to go above and beyond what you can and what you can, what you know how to use, you know, what you feel comfortable using to get an amazing lesson going. Mm -hmm. Cause that's where, that's how I started. Yeah. My first five years, I, all I had was my MacBook. I didn't yeah. even have a mic. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, my students, they, did, they didn't question it. I, I gave them no. assignments. They progressed. Their parents popped on and said, hi, things have changed now because every, a lot of people are online. So now there's mm -hmm. way more tools and way yeah. more training. But, you know, during that time, I always thought oh, there are, got, there's gotta be ways I could make this better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You will, you will always find ways to improve it. There's always a new piece of gear that you can get. Mm -hmm. um, but it still comes down to, I really think it's like what you're offering. Because with that one MacBook, I bet your students were thinking, no, I'm getting an amazing lesson because my teacher is amazing. And because she is inspiring what I want to be able to do. You know, not so much, oh, she's here. And I've heard so many teachers say this, that like, She's here moving my hands and, and whenever you go online, you can't do that anymore. You can't just grab your students' hands because you're frustrated that they don't know where middle C is and set it in the right position. You have to vocalize, you have mm -hmm. to communicate, you have to be patient, you have to be calm, and you have to smile as you do it because in, on, on camera, everything else comes out, you know? You might yeah. not, they might not notice that you're frustrated in person, but on a camera, they're, you're right there in front of them, you know? <laughs> And so you really have to work through that and yes. be able to just be more communicative and understanding of where the student is. You've shared so many things. I'm, I already know <laughs> I'm going to need a Sebastian part two next year so we can learn about everything you do in 2023. <laughs> awesome. Well, I look forward to it. I, I expect that I will still be in TMO by then because it is, it has been a life-changing experience to be part of the community. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for sharing everything you've shared today. Of course. It's been a pleasure, Carly. If you've been frustrated with online teaching or feeling discouraged about how slow it feels to grow your studio, then I would love to invite you to join me inside the Teach Music Online Membership. Our online membership includes multiple courses helping you with your tech, marketing systems, scheduling and payments, new student onboarding, engagement tactics, scheduling, and so much more. All of this so that you can finally feel excited and confident in what you're building as a music teacher. With hundreds of video lessons, twice monthly live coaching calls, and a thriving, optimistic community, we are here to get you where you want to be. We now also offer additional courses, including Course Creator for Musicians and Studio Website Builder. To join us today, head over to teachmusic.online and I can't wait to see you there.